Hello and welcome to episode 16-1 of the Tech Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Robert Desert Allen. With me once more for 2016 is Jeremy Lamont. Hey everybody, remember us? <laughs> yes, and Eric Blue Swim. Despite what Sony says, we are not a legacy podcast. Hashtag Legacy Podcast. (laughs) Now, before uh, we all start, I I wanted to give a few holiday wishes. So first to our audience, especially to those who over the last few months said that they missed the show. Aw. Aw. We love you. Guys. And and also to Digo on Twitter, at Gunmetal Jackal, who sent a really touching card that I received today. So best wishes to him and his family. Um, and then, then I also got cards from the teams at NIS America, Idea Factory, Nicholas, Exceed, all great people who work hard to bring those delightful games to our shores. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. Um, your efforts really bring me joy and have given me energy to write after those long 10-hour days. So thank you. You guys, have any- you guys didn't send me squat. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Jeremy. You, uh, Mr. I'll be over here by the Festivus poll. I've got some grievances to air. Okay. <laughs> do you want to? Do you have any good tidings? Uh, you know, just uh, everybody do your best out there. It's been a kind of a weird, rough year, and uh, I think it's a, a good, uh, you know, good opportunity for us to come together in the fact that we all enjoy video games and uh, of various types and makes and models and, and ilks. And, uh, you know, just, uh, let's all, let's all enjoy this, uh, great hobby and let's have fun together and try and keep it, uh, keep it chill. Not, like, curse each other out and yeah. use every... I mean, you, you can do a little bit of that. You can get a little you bit can do, of that. You can do the fun cursing. It's yeah. Serious sure. cursing, that's a problem. Right. There you go. You got it. And, and then again, it's only games that we're really arguing about in the grand scheme of human history. Relatively. It's, modern. it's true, but damn it, if you don't think The Last Guardian is the game of the year, I'll come to your house and I'll cut you up. Cut you. <laughs> Oh shit, man! Put the knife away, bro. <laughs> Blue, any good tidings from you? Uh, the only thing I'd li- I'd like to say is just hug your pets. I uh, I lost my last pet uh, last month, and you know that just it leaves such a void that you know you know that's I, all I can really say is just hug your pets every chance you get. You yeah. know, and yeah. of course to everybody listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for wanting us back. And adopt a pet, I'd add. Yes. I have three wonderful ones. They're like family members. They really are. Yes, they they are. Except family members usually don't wake up in the morning and lick my face. I'm shoveling a lot less poop with humans than I am with my animal family, so, yeah. Okay. So let's talk uh, impressions. Should I take the lead? Let's do it, yeah. Fearless leader. Get, Get us going. So my game impressions, I think I warn you, are going to start with the story. Um, and this story is the first time I ventured into an adult bookstore. I should have popped popcorn for this. Yes. I, I was going to, but I just I figured I didn't need a prop. The first time this month, right? Is that what you meant to say? This week. Yeah. This so week. I know this is going to seem like kind of a strange comparison, but bear with me. So I, right. I got corralled by a couple of friends uh, to go with them to the local smut shop. Because when you're young, you, you have a hard time going alone and you want a little bit of that social encouragement. So I remember walking in, and it was kind of nothing like I expected. There was no porn star working at the counter, just a visibly unhappy middle-aged guy with bifocals who looked at me kind of judgingly. Uh, there, there were guys <laughs> leafing through magazines kind of mechanically, being somewhat careful not to linger on any page too long. And then there were sex toys. There were dongs of every... 
size oh, yeah. and shape of color. Yeah, yeah, they were the handcuffs, the lotions, and the things that you know when I was young, I absolutely had no use for. Um, I, so, you know, I still don't know what half of that stuff is. Right, the purple dongs. Yes, and so I was uncomfortable to say the least. Um, and if it wasn't for two arcade machines in the back, I probably would have waited outside, letting my teammates down. But Arcade games were familiar, and in a place where there were more than a few unfamiliar people and items, that was my go-to route. So naturally, I put in a quarter or two and began to pass the time looking at a monitor, figuring this was better than making eye contact with the dudes that were kind of lingering around. Uh, what I found was a game that, and I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it, that essentially ripped off uh, Tato's Kicks. Do you guys remember that game? Yeah, is that the QIX? Yes, QIX. So this was this game of kind of abstract shapes where you took over territories by creating boxes, and there were a number of different enemies kind of buzzed buzzed around there. Uh, and success meant overtaking a certain percentage of the screen, which I think was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 75%. So the game I played exchanged the, the blank background with images. Uh, on one machine, it was all women. And the other had a kind of a kinky mix of guys and girls, um, somewhere interacting there. Uh, but either from, from the, either from the technology or from the developers, each picture kind of looked about half a decade out of date, as if someone had scanned Uh-oh. like an old Playboy, right? Um, <laughs> wow. You couldn't see the staples, but, but a little cheesy there. So, like, like kicks, you'd create boxes, but here the boxes, when you, you know, created those, they revealed parts of the picture. So you could play aggressively and try to capture that boob or butt, or just kind of putts around, revealing a little bit of leg here and there, which is probably like the Victorian difficulty level. Um, now the one thing (laughs) I want to point out with the game, and I, again, I forgot the, forgot the name, was it, it was this really cheap imitation of the original, uh, of Kicks. Uh, besides the outdated images, the enemies would just kind of assault you with not much foreshadowing. It was cheap. And, and generally, the game just looked like it was cobbled together. But somehow, that idea, the, the mix of a game with a little bit of nudity, was kind of alluring, right? And Probably the most memorable thing about my trip smut store. So I mention this because I'm discussing Heartnomics Lost Count. It's a game that that um, purports to be this introduction to the bullet hell genre. Um, and it does so by dangling the lure of different anime ladies in front of players. And the combination of, of bullet hell and fan service seems like it might have some merit, right? It, it seemed like, hey, it would be right up my alley. But Heartnomics, the execution, is subpar. So, so first, let me talk about the different stages. I only got to the fifth one, in all honesty, before giving up. And for one, it got really hard, even though it's supposed to be a relatively easy bullet hell. Um, You're talking about the game, right? Yes, yes. I'm okay, definitely right, talking right. about the game. You need was, to be specific here. Yes, I'm sorry. The other thing about the stages is they were all similar. Um, some would have your, your cape-wearing avatar, uh, or they'd all have your cape-wearing avatar kind of flying across this basic background. His main weapon was this lightning ray that would gradually, really slowly take off damage from the only other character on, on screen, which was the, the selection of kind of smaller sprites, um, which were basically not much bigger than a Twitter avatar. And, and so, essentially, the confrontation would be between you and your opponent really boiled down to lining up your vertical shot as they as they teleported around. 
And that's not to say that um, there wasn't adversity, because the game would throw different overlapping bullet bullet curtains at players. And the actual programming behind the bullet patterns w- was, you know, is decent enough. And moving, you know, through the first couple of levels can be somewhat tricky. Uh, fortunately, there is a button that neutralizes certain types of enemy fire. But the payoff, right, the, the getting back to the kicks clone, uh, the payoff for this is the anime lassies. Um, although you do have to patch the game, there are big, thick black bars that cover all the not even so naughty parts um, there. So essentially... Good concept. I like the idea of, of kind of fan service and shooting, but definitely lacking in execution. Uh, on the upside, there's some really good J-pop as you work your way through through the game. It's upbeat, and that's kind of cool. Uh, I'd love to see the developer round up some more programmers and some artists for the in-game sections. There's some manga-like um, uh, story there, which is good. But um, and then the other thing I'd really like to see is some transitions because once you clear the level and then it immediately, not even you know a tenth of a second goes by and then it's boom the anime girl with black bars on screen. <laughs> so <laughs> just a little foreplay would be good, right? Which is kind of my motto, right, Jeremy? You know, yeah, I think it is. You know, you just got you have to kind of insinuate some things, otherwise no one stays that interested. So yeah, that's what I was playing. Heartnomics <laughs> lost count kind of- on Steam. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Trigger Heart Excelica. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, that had a little bit of raunch on the side, right? The sidebars, right. but Trigger Heart played a lot. Better. It was trying to be Trigger Heart, I'd say. Yeah, which is a good, which is a lofty ambition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's been a long time since I played Trigger Heart, but I would always keep going back to it. I'll be talking about another STG later on tonight that I keep coming back to. You got an STG? <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't give it to anyone. <laughs> oh, man. That's rough. At the burn, I can feel it. So that, that's it for me. Heartnomics. All right. Lost Very count. Nice. I think I lost Heart count the number of times I... Yes. Voodoo economics. I lost count the number of times I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a pretty decent refractory period on that. You just have to give it some time. <laughs> give me the number of minutes there, Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> I never what are we talking about? Never counted. <laughs> no. Does that include the uh, nap after? <laughs> Have time. Oh man, we got to move along. Uh, so I'll I'll talk about what I've been playing uh, this week, which um, it actually is a, a fairly new release, not brand brand new, but but uh, new out in the last couple of weeks. It was uh, it, it's been on the radar. It was announced quite a while ago, but it was only released on the PlayStation Four in just the past couple of weeks. It's called Let It Die. And yeah, I, I, it, yeah I've, I've heard of it. I haven't downloaded it yet. Yeah, so anybody can download it. So the first thing to know about it is that it is free. It's free to play. Um, and it is a grasshopper manufacture game. And uh, you know, you may know of Goichi Suda. Uh, Suda, I believe, is involved in this project, but the director in this case is uh, Hideyuki Shin. So it's not everybody has been. I've noticed on Twitter and everywhere, people have kind of been giving credit to Suda because it's you know it looks very Suda. It definitely has a Shadows of the Damned lollipop chainsaw. Uh, you know, just that kind of. I mean, just the camera work and kind of the rigging. Of the characters when they showed it so they trotted this out at the playstation experience a couple of weeks ago and within the first few you, you got to look at it and you gotta go okay that that is definitely a, a grasshopper manufacture game and and sure enough it was and um 
this game is a basically a Dark Souls-like or a Demon Souls-like game. It is a third-person action game with a uh, sort of a, a high difficulty curve. So it's got that bent for, like, you, you could die at any moment. So it's a roguelike style game. Uh, Dark Souls and Demon Souls were roguelike-ish, kind of in a way. And that that term has, I think, become a little bit watered down somewhat. So mm-hmm. I think these days it means any game where you have a corpse run. If you die, you can go and, and get your stuff, maybe... You know, in in those games you would lose souls, but in this game you kind of lose everything, which really is kind of how Rogue originally worked. Um, so it uh, the, the setting though in this case is kind of a, a key player here. It's almost one of the one of the actors or or one of the um, components of the game, and it takes place in sort of a. I'm not 100% clear if it's like an apocalypse scenario, but it's definitely like there's something weird going on in the world. And through whatever forces unleashed in the world, a giant tower has arisen out of the earth made up of basically the bits and pieces of metropolitan life. So buildings and cranes and bridges and things like that. And it's created this giant sort of Tower of Babel-esque kind of thing. In fact, it's called the Tower of Barbs. And uh, it is inhabited by just all kinds of, I guess, like the scum of the earth kinds of people. And, um, you, you know, it has that very, like, the future is trash and people are trash and they live in trash and they wear trash and they eat trash and is everything it a is trash. Game? It is super trashy. So um, uh, you you actually start out in your underpants. Uh, <laughs> that's... That's how trashy it is. Uh, so you start out actually and you get to choose your, your character who they, they're sort of these, um, kind of like uh, glassy eyed, dead sorts of people. In fact, they may literally be dead. This whole game actually may be a metaphor for death in some sense. Um, and, and actually, so you, you've got your character and your character is basically a, an everyman sort of dummy template. I mean, he, you know, kind of ripped. You have some abs or if you're a woman, you're, you know, kind of chesty. Um, but the sort of the main, I don't know if you'd call him like the Iago of this. He's sort of like your guide, your 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 Virgil maybe is a grim reaper wearing those spiral x-ray glasses and his name is Uncle Death. And uh <laughs> and he kind of he's like got this weird accent. It's sort of like a, a, a kind of like a cross between a Hispanic and Japanese. I'm told it's sort of Finnish. I guess the actor is kind of Finnish, so there's kind of you a weird you can't really place it. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. And and he's like, hey man, he's like a, a little. He's like he's like one part, you know, Cheech, and like another part, like Chong. I guess I don't know. He, he's he's just he's kind of kind of a weird. He's kind of a weird dude. Um, and he sort of takes you through the idea that you. Oh, by the way, the rubric of this game. I I am not a hundred percent sure exactly what this is because this thing goes to like the the batshit scale eleven pretty much right from the get go. Um, the imagery is very quick. It's very uh, what, what would you say? It's very like non sequitur. I guess I would say it has references to. Uh, Japanese culture, there are statues and oni, but there are also, uh, you know, neon lights and signs and, uh, teddy bears and lampshades and just any, any random stuff, uh, you know, just quick cuts and, and you're also in an arcade with Uncle Death and you're playing this game and they're like, oh, let it die. This one's a really good one, man. You know, I beat this one. Um, and it, and it like cuts like the opening title screen is in like this old, 
uh, almost like an Atari sort of style, but it says Let It Die, and it's got this muscly... I don't even know what's going on here, quite frankly. Like, if you can't follow me as I'm describing this, you're right on track, because that's what it's like to actually play the thing, too. Uh, but that that's just the setup, though. That's just the setup. So the way it actually plays is, like I mentioned, it's very much like Dark Souls or Demon Souls. So you actually are, are a third-person camera walking behind your character. It's much quicker, I would say, than, than Dark or, or Demon Souls. Um, you actually have the ability to jump. There are some traversal elements where you can kind of jump and climb up on things, which is not really a factor in Dark Souls. Um, and you start out with your bare hands just like beating people to death. And you'll see, you know, you'll, just like in Dark Souls, you'll see someone like across the room and they might notice you and come running over. And you've got to make sure to get your combos in, your punch, 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 roll out of the way, uh, you know, circle around, dodge that attack and punch, punch, punch until they're dead or, or they kill you. Um, and Uncle Death sort of walks you through kind of like a tutorial level, kind of getting you started. When you kill one of those guys, and the bad guys are, I would almost describe them as just randomly generated, like, random character generator kinds of things. Like, they're kind of similar to you. They're usually in some form of undress. Like, like this is sort of like a really drugged up Mad Max kind of thing. I mean, it's like a Thunderdome kind of scenario here. People just, they're wearing all kinds of stuff, and they're using all kinds of weapons. The weapons include things like hammers or, or, uh, you know, crowbars or things, but they also have fireworks guns and... Uh, buzzsaw punching cuffs or something. I'm not. I don't. Even, I don't even know what all this stuff is. Uh, pistols you can do. Um, so anytime you kill someone, they explode into blood. And sometimes you can even do these really cool coup de gras moves. Like if you stagger them, then you can do like a you know very stylish grasshopper manufacture sort of uh, you know finishing move. Um, but they have a chance to drop stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean again in that same way they could be dropping armor, and the armor could be um, you know swimming trunks or they could be uh you know a trench coat or a a welder's apron or it could be just i just like like a bucket that you wear on your head it could be anything like i said garbage people living in garbage and they're just armor is made up of any old thing um and you can put it on immediately start using it everything is destructible so the more you use it i mean it'll break everything is sort of meant to break uh and you can carry up to three weapons in either hand so both of your your left and right fists uh, they each have their own inventory. You can carry up to three things in those slots and kind of switch back and forth. Some items are double-handed, so you might have to, you know, kind of decide, do you want to immediately switch to a big slow weapon? Do you want to, you know, use a ranged one on one hand and a, you know, a melee weapon on the other hand? So you can kind of make those decisions. Uh, dudes will gang up on you, so just like in Demon Souls or Dark Souls, you kind of got to kind of watch your territory, manage your space, make sure that you don't get flanked, those kinds of things. Um, and uh, and then there's there's this whole mushrooms component to this. So mushrooms and frogs are, are sort of around this 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 city, this this locale, and everything sort of is underground. So you feel like you're in tunnels and, and subways kind of all the time. I mean, it's just this, like I said, it's this metro tower of barbs. Um, and the mushrooms that you find, you may not know the effect that they give you. So much like in Rogue or in, in original Rogue Light games, you might find a potion, you don't know what it is until you try it or until you become familiar with it. And it might give you health, it might give you an attack bonus, it might put you to sleep, it might poison you, there might be a tear gas effect. Um, so not only can you consume those, but you can also use them as weapons and throw them at people. So you can theoretically, uh, with something that you find, try it out on a bad guy first, it might heal them or... It might poison them or or whatever. Uh, you also find frogs around, and you can catch the frogs, and they, they make a nice little kero kero kind of you know Japanese uh, 
uh, frog sound. Um, and you can cook them on if you find if you come across fire, you can cook them and eat them and, and get HP and whatever. Um, and then and then your hub world that you return to. So just like in Demon Souls and Dark Souls, you do have a, an area that you return to, which um, is is in this case called the waiting room. And there are a bunch of weirdos down there, too. Uh, there's a dude who, uh, he basically looks like Hitler with a mortarboard, like he's a graduate, and he kind of has like a, I think he's got like a welder's mask or something on, you can kind of see through to, to his face, but he's got that little, like, you know, chaplain Hitler mustache. Um, and you can find blueprints to things and materials up in the, in the tower, and you can bring those back and you can, um, craft weapons and, and, and such. There's a mushroom lady who is way off her, she, you know, she's just crazy and she can make you mushroom meals. Kind of like in, uh, Monster Hunter, you know, where you can kind of meal up before you, before you go out. Um, so the free to play component on this. So everything I've described is available to you free of charge. There's no cost to get started or, or to do any of this stuff. Um, what Grasshopper Manufacturer has done to monetize this game is they have a, well, there's a dual currency system, first of all. So there's like coins that you can buy stuff with. But then they have something called uh, Death Metal. And those are basically vouchers or tokens that you can use to to spend on either re uh, reviving yourself, so you can actually get a, like a free revive with all of your health back and everything. Uh, that is a premium currency. Or you can use an elevator. So every, everything in the tower is done on floors. So once you complete a floor, you can. There's usually an elevator that you can return to the the waiting room, stock back up, and you know head back up. Uh, but you can use the special. Um, you know, express elevator to, you know, to skip up to, uh, higher floors using, uh, death metal as well. The other thing that's really kind of cool about this that makes it different, uh, is the corpse run component to it. If you die, you don't leave behind a corpse, you leave behind a hater. And a hater is basically the reanimated version of you. It basically turns you and your equipment into an AI bad guy that you, if you want your stuff back, You've got to kill yourself. So you've got to actually fight your own self with all of that equipment in order to get your stuff back. Um, and haters that's going to hate. Yeah, haters do hate. And, uh, you know, usually they're pretty leveled up, too. Like, that's all your good stuff that you just lost. So, you know, <laughs> you've either got to stock up again or you've got to, you, you know, you got to plan your attack on how you're going to do that. So usually haters are pretty high level. Thing is, too, that there is a cross-pollination component to this as well. So in the same way that, say... Uh, demon souls or, or dark souls you could you know leave notes or you could see the ghost outlines of people like falling to their death or whatever uh haters from your friends list they also cross pollinate as well so i've killed my friends and gotten their cool gear actually in fact if you kill them you get a special uh there's a special bonus or something that you get you get a in fact i can't remember what it's called they give it a special name but um experience points and, and things like that and you can level up your characters in fact you can with your you can actually manage multiple characters uh so you once you're guy dies you can actually put them in the freezer once you go back you can i think you can kill them you can put them in kind of this meat locker thing and you can start a new character and you can actually level up multiple simultaneous people because you can assign those people to do things like uh defend your so you can actually um capture other people's haters and, and and take them away and you can assign your people so you can invade other people's waiting rooms to raid them you can assign your guys to like guard your home turf from invasion um and i find all of this stuff so here's the thing i was pretty okay with demon souls i didn't really play dark souls i played bloodborne and you know in general those kinds of games they're pretty all right but 
in some sense, they're sort of playing the same note a lot of the time, right? And I find it very appealing. So even though this game, uh, Let It Die, is... I don't want to call it like a lower production... I mean, it is. Okay, so it's a lower production value than something like Dark Souls or Bloodborne. But it's never really... It doesn't ever really get in the way of things. You never really find yourself like, oh my god, the collision detection in this is just not working. Um, you know, the characters are a little bit floaty, maybe. And, and like I said, everything is faster paced, so you find yourself kind of running around a lot more, and, you know, there's kind of a sort of a lower budget feel to that sometimes, as opposed to the very slow and methodical you know, steps that you take in, in Dark Souls. But generally speaking, I find that it is a competent also ran kind of scenario versus Dark Souls or versus Bloodborne. Um, and just the uniqueness of the the characters, um, you know, the, the weird Uncle Death guy and all of these people that you, you know, that you meet and encounter and all the notes that they leave you. You have a whole log and it's called the... Uh, uh, the, the Rolodex, I think, and, and all of your notes and your help materials are all in there. And, you know, the fact that you're, you're dressing your character up in just whatever you can find, um, just all of that stuff comes together and makes it, if you're interested in that kind of experience, and clearly people are, because, you know, Dark Souls got to be pretty popular, um, Let It Die, I feel like, is definitely worth trying, especially because it doesn't cost you anything. If you have a PlayStation 4, you can play it right now for the low, low price of zero um, and spend a few bucks on death metal if you want to. I've actually seen some people on Twitter saying, oh, they got another fiver out of me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, it, and it seems, it, it seems really fair. In fact, Grasshopper Manufacturer and the producers, um, the, the director, uh, Hideyuki Shin, they've said that they're not really planning on releasing any other type of premium content, not even cosmetic stuff, because they said they feel that there's enough content in the game for it to stand on its own. Uh, which, you know, I kind of admire that, and I hope that they, I hope that they do realize at least some monetary gain for doing this. I, I don't really know the history of, of this product or, or, you know, sort of what it went through to, to get to where it is, but... Um, seems, like it, seems like it came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, it, it, and it, it, it was... It went uh, by a different name. Um, trying to remember. Lily, Ber, Lil, Bergamo. Yeah, Lily Bergamo was, yes. was the name of it. Or at least that was like a code name or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and then it, uh, how many years ago? Two years ago at E3... Um, they mentioned Let It Die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so then the next thing we know is a PlayStation Experience, and you can download it today, yeah. which you could. And, uh, you know, they, they give you daily rewards for logging in, and, you know, they, they try and incentivize you. So it, it still does that sort of free-to-play idea. I mean, they want to keep you playing. I mean, that's kind of what keeps the game vital. But I haven't really got a sense that any of the monetization has become a problem, really. I mean, like I said, I think that it's something that uh, they've done a, a pretty good job with. It's a pretty sizable download, isn't it? Isn't it like sorry, 37 said, gigs? Uh, it's pretty big, and actually the patches, so I was going to play it uh, last night, and I had to wait for a 6 gigabyte patch, which I think is just kind of the nature, I, I guess, of the big boy console games sometimes. Um, and it seemed like it was going really slow, but once I... It was like one of those watched pot never boils kinds of situations. After <laughs> I after I gave it up to the universe and let the PlayStation Network do its thing, uh, it was it was all downloaded within you know maybe thirty minutes or something like that. So your your, your mileage may vary depending on your internet connection. Yes, Deagle, what was it? I, I'm not in this camp, but I've heard other people talk about Suda Fifty One and use that um, that Macbeth quote, uh, "Full of sound and fury, signifying nothing." 
jerk. Does it, does it all come together? Does it mean anything? All the trash, all the garbage? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things like in, you know, in like your high school literature class, if you really wanted to, you know, or, or the, or the third season of Lost when you started to wonder, you know, God, maybe they really are in purgatory. Um, it, you know, it, it could be something if you want it to be. I think though that the, the gameplay kind of stands on its own. I mean, I mean, the anything that you could consider to be story or or lore in this is just so far out there um, that at first you just you just you like sink back into your chair, like what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once you kind of accept it, <laughs> right. it just, it just kind of becomes fun and weird, and you're like, wow, nothing else is really doing this. Um, so yeah, there there may be more to it there, you know, um, the, the the way that Uncle Death handles the the, the uh, you know the dead bodies sometimes, and he's mm-hmm. you know what what are his motivations, and uh, I you know I never got far enough up in the tower to find out if there are really any other story beats to it, but I, so far I just on its surface as a as a rogue type game. Um, I have found that it works pretty all right. Um, it does have, uh, like I said, that that online component to it. So uh, maintenance is a thing that actually stopped me from playing it once as well. I'm not sure from a technical standpoint how how rough or smooth that launch has been, but I can tell you that on two occasions uh, since it launched, I've not been able to play it when I wanted to because of either maintenance or updates. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, for free, uh, you know, once you're actually playing it, uh, you know, I I don't really worry about those sorts of things. And Suda's always interesting, whether he plays it straight, like Sinmora or uh, Liberation Maiden, or, you know, Little Strange, like No More Heroes. Yeah, um, No More Heroes. Yeah, uh, this is... Lollipop Chainsaw. Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. And, and so almost everything he, he puts out is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And didn't he start um, the whole um, uh, Fire Pro Wrestling? Blue? Uh, I know he was involved with um, some of the early, um, very early. Yeah, he was. FBS yeah, he was. Or Famicom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he might have gotten his start on one of the Fire Pro games, yeah. and I know he wrote a story that uh, culminated in the main character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like he foreshadowed the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And the and the wrestler was basically supposed to be like. The Fire Pro version of Ric Flair, so it's like, oh god, don't give Rick any ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So aside from uh, Let It Die, um, other other games here and there this week. Uh, I know that I, th- I think Blue noticed that I've uh, started playing Persona Four Golden. Uh, so that's yep, yep. That's been on my list for for a while. In fact, I was planning. <laughs> and I, we talked about this. In fact, we talked about this on some previous uh, shows here. But uh, I had played Persona the first on mm-hmm. the, the PSP version, and I was like, I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through, and Blue was like, no, 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 don't do that, don't bother, just start at Persona 3, and I'm like, no, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I uh, I basically decided, you know what, I have been holding off on this long enough, and Persona 5 is coming out, I'll, I'll just play 4, I mean, it doesn't really matter what order you do them in. One, and two, in one and two are good, but a r- little dated today, and I know I might piss people off, but having, if you start at 3 or 4, then it would be really hard to go back. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's kind of like saying, I, you know, personally in my life, I have tried to always maintain the, the proper lenses through which to see older games, so that I I, sure. I try to avoid, like, looking at something and being like, oh, that's old. Because um, I know it's easier when you have nostalgia for a particular old game, but I, I kind of like to see if I can really try and exercise my sensibilities to, to play something uh, older with it, you know, without having ever played it before. But uh, the, the, I mean, the thing about Persona, of course, is that like Final Fantasy, it's not like you're missing out on story or anything like that. So, you know, it's not like you have to go back to Final Fantasy 1 and, and play all the way through 
Kane doesn't doesn't really work that way. But nope. uh, so a little bit of Persona, uh, a little bit of uh, Battle Rights, which is uh, you know a, a PC early access game that's kind of like a MOBA without the MOBA. It's just a combat arena, which is uh, kind of neat. Um, a little bit of Titanfall 2 has... Uh, I've been playing that, too. Yeah, Titanfall 2 is good. Uh, Titanfall 1 was, I think, uh, one of those... I don't know why I seem to gravitate to games that just don't catch on for whatever reason. Because they're cheap. I, well, I'm starting to feel <laughs> like... I'm starting to feel like I've got some sort of curse that I'm imparting on things. Like, if I'm like, yes... Jeremy, I, I, you're I dub, not that important. I dub thee the winner <laughs> of video games, and it's like this black mark. Um, but yeah, Titanfall 2 is pretty good. Uh, some of the improvements they've, they've made over Titanfall 1. Now, that, of course, they have a, a campaign mode, a story mode, single player, which a lot of people lamented the lack of that in the first game. I yes. never really was too bothered by it. Um, I, I feel like the, the dynamic campaign that they had, they sort of faked out a single player, multiplayer kind of variant on it. I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah, Titanfall two, very worthy successor. Uh, lots of uh, lots of good new traversal items, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, grappling hooks, and uh, sonar knives that you can throw into the walls and things like that. Lots of cool abilities. That's that's been a lot of fun, uh, and and just a whole host of of other things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, lately I, I find that I, I feel like I'm playing fewer video games than ever, but uh, somehow I always find to have have something to talk about. So. I've been spending time with Lo Wang. Lo Shadow Wang. Oh my god. I remember, in fact, Shadow Warrior 2. So, uh, the, I played Shadow Warrior 1, talked about it on this podcast when it first came out. I was always, I always looked askance at the Shadow Warrior games. Uh, because I'm like, oh, come on. You're gonna make a Wang joke again? <laughs> right. Again? The humor, like, gonna, the humor really doesn't fit in the tooth. <laughs> with the rest of the game, though. So the it's thing like is, the humor is just this eye-rolling stuff. Yes. It's almost and like they, filler. They, but the actual game is, is really good. To it. The thing is, they lean into it. And that first game, so I haven't played Shadow Warrior 2, but the first one, I ended up loving. Like, I don't know what it was about it, but the notes that they hit with the comedy, um, you know, it, it didn't hurt that the game actually was really solid mechanics-wise. Um, but the humor, like, actually really hit with me, and it was really, really surprised. Yeah, I did. Like, I, you know, like, he's, cause he had the, uh, you have the sidekick, and I don't know if he carried over into the, uh, in, into the new game, but the, the little Oni demon that kind of gives him his, his power and kind of is also his. So you save, form. A, you save someone, I'll say, at the beginning, and she gets in your head, and so you have uh, a little so, inner. So she fills that role. Yeah, yeah, like those sorts of things, and, 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 you know, the, I, I remember there was I a, don't really think it's that funny, though. I'm not laughing at it. I'm having a good time. I, I you don't know, know people about the and the weapons, and, and it definitely has more of a Borderlands approach towards loot and gear and things like that. Uh, to me, the combat is is fantastic, and the look of the game. I mean, running it on I have a um, 1080 um, GPU, it oh, looks yeah, absolutely oof, fantastic. Nope. I mean, some of the lighting is just phenomenal. Since you best. mentioned, yes. Since you mentioned Borderlands, and since I mentioned my mark of death, uh, you know, dubbing the winners, and they actually turn out to be the ironic losers, uh, another game I'll just throw out there really quickly that I've played and really enjoyed uh, has been Battleborn this year, which in the oh. in the matchup of Overwatch versus Battleborn has not <laughs> fared favorably. Did you buy that day uh, one, Jeremy? You were the cause uh, of that. <laughs> no, no, I that, you know I can't take credit for that, but uh, I definitely find Battleborn to be a much more interesting game. It is definitely in the vein of the Borderlands and uh, has like an actual story. You know, again, a campaign I, mode. So I played a half hour, and the mechanics I, I don't have a problem with. They were kind of fun. You know, there was a lot of different little little things going on, right? A lot yeah. of different parts moving, but the actual story was oh like, my. 
gosh, no. All that's, these people were like talking to each other. I didn't know who was no, who. Eagle. And it I was, it was all over the place. And I had to restart it just to kind of figure out. And then by the time I played it a second time, I really didn't care about it's that. Like I- Actually, that was the thing that really cemented it for me because really? I, there's there, there there are two kinds of video game players, right? There are people who like the writing and the comedy of Borderlands, and there are the people who don't get it. Uh, that's the two divisions. That's I the don't only two think kinds there's of- much to get. It's a it's a continual succession of pop culture references. It's no, it's, okay, there's tell, nothing it's too deep about Borderlands. No, you're you're right. I mean, it's not. It's definitely <laughs> some like, surface level stuff, okay. but it's so well done. Like. The interact, the interactions of the characters are funny. Like, did you pl- did you play the the mission, the story mission where you are fighting against that AI character, Isaac, and and he's got the the giant robot spider, and the robot spider's name is Jeff, and Jeff is like, oh, I, like he acts like he's a real spider. Oh, fum- fumigation, I've got to escape, and he's like, Jeff, Jeff, you dumbass, and he, <laughs> he's like this giant. That's not from the pre sequel, is it? Because I just picked that up today for like three bucks. Oh, hot damn, that's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually venture that the writing is even worse in the pre-sequel. Oh, <laughs> it God. goes continually downhill. Yeah, I, I laughed in Borderlands too. It can't. Be. It's it's consistently amusing. I think Jeremy <laughs> loves it. I'm you know mildly amused by it. I, I, I don't hate it. It doesn't. St- I mean, the whole game does not stand on that, but it definitely sure, doesn't no. hurt when you're yeah. playing a shooter, which is a decent loot shooter. And there's funny stuff to laugh at, you know. At least most of the time. I mean, every once in a while, you'll be like, <laughs> "Really?" But I, I have found that to be to be quite, you know, quite enjoyable. As opposed to, I'm just going to get my, you know, those who know me know I'm going to get my shot in on Overwatch versus Overwatch, which is basically a very bare bones like deathmatch, you know, maybe with a, you know, escort the the payload mode occasion. Uh, thumbs up to those guys for continuing to support it. They're currently now doing a Christmas-themed um, brawl mode, I guess, in Overwatch, which is kind of neat. Um, but God, if I, that an- needs a campaign. I wait, when I saw all the trailers, you know, with Tracer and whatnot, I just wanted that to have some sort of a story-based campaign. For me to pick it up and I think, I think that's the game that people think they're playing like honestly when it gets all of these accolades and stuff i think people think that's what it is but it's like it's not that it's it's like you just go shoot the other people and <laughs> with a <laughs> with a large cast of characters that feel radically different and, and they mm-hmm. do have a lot of abilities that's true, yeah but. yeah and so and it's it's fun I'm not, it's, okay. it's not it's my fun. favorite game of the year, but I do see its merits. I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Anyway, I will, I will tap out on that, but, uh, definitely lots of things have, uh, have been on the, uh, on the playlist in the past, uh, in the past year for sure. Everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I got impressions too. Yay! Playing Eric Blue Swim. <laughs> well, since the last podcast, I actually joined the next generation. I uh, picked up a uh, PS4, the uh, Slim Uncharted bundle, uh, during Black Friday weekend because uh, Target had it for, I think it was two forty nine, and then they were doing like a 15% off everything in the store promotion, and then if you use your red card, you get an additional 5% off, so it basically ended up being around, I think it was like $201 or $203 that is a great or something deal. like that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I I I gotta pick it up. That's my, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> you know, I'd have to wait another year for it to get down that low. So I'm like, yeah, what the hell, I'll get it. And I'm just all the way. Oh, and on top of that, it actually came with a PlayStation beanie with like the X circle, square, and triangle on it. I oh, mean, man. <laughs> I mean, how could I say no to that? 
bonus loot. Just give me the yeah. beanie and throw, give the PS4 away to some kid. Yeah. <laughs> Take the system out, play with the box. <laughs> and since I, I will obviously be mentioning Uncharted a little bit later, I will instead ask, what was the first game besides Uncharted that I bought for it? This guy five. Good guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Hyperdimension... Split, the Splatoon. name is Splatoonia. Hyperdimension Splatoonia. Splatoonia? Yes, Hyperdimension Splatoonia. Oh. That, I, I, I That's the fan over. Yes. <laughs> you are both incorrect. It was actually, try to act surprised, Godzilla. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, I actually uh, came across, it's actually starting to become kind of hard to come across in stores but i managed to find one at walmart and they had it down for uh 15 bucks so i'm like yeah what the hell i'll get it and um basically uh you know i talked about the ps3 version sometime back and the ps3 version only had three forms of godzilla to play as and the ps4 had online play and like 20 something playable monsters and bigger maps and all these wonderful things but you know i didn't adopt a ps4 until just recently so i figured i'd pick it up now and you know i can understand every technical complaint you can lob against that game but it is absolutely the the godzilla game i've been dreaming about since i was a kid because it is batshit crazy when it gets going oh. it's it's a button masher basically you know you have square 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 you know triangle and you know forward circle and back circle and stuff like that i mean it's not deep combat by any stretch of the imagination. But the presentation of it, you know, you have, you know, all these authentic Godzilla sounds, and not just, you know, the roars and whatnot, but, like, the actual unique stomp sound effects from, like, all the different movies. Like, they, uh, like, uh, Mechagodzilla from, like, 1974. It's like, it actually has that metallic stomping sound from the 1974 movie (laughs) in it. I mean, it's that kind of attention to detail that makes it feel like, you know, I know this is terrible, but I can still say it's pretty fun at the same time. Um, so basically, the uh, the main campaign is uh, you go through these various stages of uh, Japan, and you're trying to destroy these G-generators, or G-energy generators, and ba- because basically... It's like food to monsters or whatnot. And as you destroy generators and, you know, cars and buildings and whatnot, you collect G energy, which makes Godzilla grow bigger. And instead of having a, uh, like a top score or whatnot, the size that you grow your monster to is your high score. Hmm. And the, uh, the maps, you know, they are, I'm waiting for a joke from Jeremy about that. I, I, you know, I was just trying to figure out: is this a uh, who who made this? Because I'm trying to figure out if this is like Namco, a platinum game. Namco Bandai. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think Atari was involved with it as Uh-oh. well. Oh, there's <laughs> there's your black shame of death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, like I said, by every technical standard of measurement, it's not a very good game. But if you like Godzilla and you can deal with you know clunky bulky tank controls. I mean, there's a little bit of fun to be had with it. Um, you can eat that crap sandwich and like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, they actually have a pretty decent system for 
for replay that basically as you defeat you know the various monsters uh you gather you know some form of like dna or some some little element from each monster and then you can use those along with experience or energy or whatever from playing as those characters in the main campaign mode to level them up and make like your you know like your atomic breath meter charge up quicker or have like a second slot to like store like an atomic breath blast or whatnot and with when you have a system like that uh with a roster that's you know 20 something characters deep you have a lot of replayability in there and uh you know i mean quite frankly you know i i platinumed it on the ps3 and i'm not sure if i'm gonna stick around with it long enough to platinum it on the ps4 as well but I, I'm I can deal with a, that as a fifteen dollar purchase. It's oh. it's really good. Blue, did you ever play hardcore. War of the Monsters for the PS2? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, that's that's the uh, like the arena fighting game. Like it's kind of like a wrestling game with monsters, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's yeah. Gonna, I always that's gonna be that, your like... Christmas gift. I'm getting you that for PS4. <laughs> Is that <laughs> on PS4? It's a PS2 classic. PS2 classic. Really? Yeah, and it's got. <laughs> It's got all the, you know, monsters and mecha just unlicensed. <laughs> that's the best way to do it. I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like with Ultraman. Yeah, yeah, sure, that's Godzilla. We'll just stick like an iguana hood on him and paint him green. Yeah, nobody will notice. <laughs> uh, now, one question. What, were you tempted to get the PS4 Pro? No, because my decision was basically motivated by price. And, okay. you know, I'm not really looking to pick up the PSVR Right. Yet I don't have like a 4K TV, so I'm like, hey, eh, uh, I'll wait and see how the support for that goes because I've been hearing a lot of, you know, a lot of complaints like, oh, Skyrim is running worse on the <laughs> right. PS4 Pro, yeah. <laughs> and the frame rate is terrible on the Pro versus the standard PS4. And I'm like, eh, screw it. You know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't need the. It the does Pro help. It does help some games as far as frame rate or image quality, but yeah, there are a handful of games where it's not as good, which isn't a good selling point for your no. brand new shining system. Did you, Jeremy? Did you pick up PSVR? I am actually in the process of trying to find a PlayStation VR headset as we speak right now. Right in fact, now, I started, during the show. Like yes, because I'm Diligent. I'm flabbergasted. So everybody right now is on the lookout for the NES Classic, right? That's right. the big well, that's the big thing this year. That thing can go to hell because I can't find I can't figure out why you can't get a straight up PlayStation headset for any less than six hundred US dollars. Uh, it's like the, it's like the the ghost of Kaz Hirai from the future. Uh, ghost of Christmas Kaz has visited me and has pointed to the shallow grave where I paid six hundred US dollars uh, for a PlayStation VR headset. So I'm in the market for one, and if anyone can find me one, I you know I'm I'm about ready to get a second job as a as a hitman to you know go out there and take one by force. But uh, no, Anger, I wait. They're hard to come by right now. Find one. Search one right now. I'll fill the time. They, you see if you can find a PlayStation VR headset at retail on any online retailer. They don't have them at GameStop. They don't have them at Amazon. They don't have them at Best Buy. They don't have them anywhere. Walmart. I've looked all over the internet, and they are not to be had. Hmm. Okay. Um, they're not anywhere. Like they're you know when you check Target, it's like not one located within 250 miles. I mean, it's possible they could be now, shipping them and the, not putting them into the system. Do you have system, the PS camera? And the, of course, you. Have I've got everything I need. I've got everything I need. Right. I've got I've got I've got move controllers literally coming out of my ass. 
I, like I've got them all over the Does place. Does that hurt? Uh, it feels quite lube nice. It up. The, yeah. yeah, the, <laughs> the ball is yeah. ball is spongy. Uh, GameStop dot com right now is actually I actually brought it up when you were talking about Battleborn, and that's actually down to ten bucks new at GameStop. Yeah, get Battleborn. It's a it's a really decent game. It did not deserve the for, for the PC. It was bundled. Humble bundle. I think I picked it up for like a 15. whole bundle. Yeah, a whole yeah. bundle for like ten. Yeah, months. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it can be had in there. You know, they're talking about possibly moving that to free to play. But anyway, the uh, PlayStation VR headset. I don't have it. I'd love to get one. I am in the market right now, but they cannot be had. So I'm I'm assuming that I'm probably going to have to wait until sometime next year to actually get my hands on one. Weird. At I'm least it avoided the black market death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like because I, if you had picked it up, it would have been over. That like, would VR would have been dead. We would have no holodeck. It would, that no. would be the the time. This would be the darkest timeline, yes. and we would never get the holodeck. Well, it looks like you're welcome. Within a hundred miles of me. Yeah, yeah. They, they can't be had. I don't know. So I, I'm surprised because you know I, I you know I haven't really been paying too much attention to it, but I thought I'd you know see some units here and there. But it's like the games would just be sitting on the shelves. It's like I'd go into Walmart or whatever, and I'd see you know. Batman, Arkham VR, yeah. or whatever, and like all these different VR games, and they were just sitting there. It didn't look like any of them had actually sold out. Yeah, yeah. I see. I still see all the games, um, just not too much of the hardware. I think a so, few weeks ago they were pushing the hardware. Yeah, they uh, they've reportedly sold. Sony's reportedly sold, according to uh, Canalis, which is I guess a, a, a market watch type of thing. Uh, they sold over eight hundred thousand shipments of them in less than three months. Uh, the original estimated unit sales were 1.4 million, but they are currently having problems making the OLED displays. Yeah. Uh, so they're basically not meeting the demand. So yeah, you you can get them. Eight hundred thousand is a good number. That's a yeah, eight hundred thousand. And from, from what I read here, uh, probably twice as many as the Switch, so we'll have it launch. Yeah, and and it uh, actually I believe is the number one selling VR headsets. Uh, I mean I, I don't well, know that's how that's not saying much, Jeremy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's it's probably the most populist, I guess, of the available offerings. Uh, although I would I would say here By I don't know how that's. Populist, you mean cheapest? Yeah, absolutely, okay. cheapest, okay. Uh, most accessible, I guess. Although I don't know how that stacks up against the like the Samsung Gear VR, for example. I, I don't really know how well that thing's going, but uh, I like those HTC... things you can look up on eBay and Amazon. They're like fifteen dollar VR headsets. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, view, a viewmaster with a strap. Basically, yeah, so you can drop your phone in there. Yeah. I still can't believe they're making Viewmasters now. Yeah, they're big. It's like uh, Pet Rock is coming back too, I heard. <laughs> Don't pee in the house. Don't pee in the house. Don't pee in the house. <laughs> so anyway. So Blue, you picked up guy. a um, NES Classic as well? Yes, indeed. So forgive me for challenging, again, your purchasing habits, but don't you don't you own those games? Um... Some of them I do, but like, quite frankly, I wasn't as big of a collector of the NES okay. originally. Gotcha. Uh, as I was the Super Nintendo. I mean, this, when the Super NES Classic Edition comes out, I'm probably going to be like, okay, yeah, I have that, 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 that. Not that, but that, 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 that. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was uh, actually getting my uh, first original PlayStation, I traded in a lot of my NES games, and I kind of regretted it. But um, but then again, I try to play an NES game, and it's like I'm spending 20 minutes trying to get the damn thing to display the picture right, properly, okay. and I'm like, yeah, eh, screw it. And with the NES Classic Edition, it's like, you know, you have the HDMI output and uh, USB uh, power cable. So, I mean, it's easy as pie to set up. And um, 
You know, it's kind of kind of like one of the plug and play games, but yeah. without the batteries and the joystick built in. <laughs> right, without the shit, really shitty joystick. Yeah, because all those plug and plays are horrible. I, I want to throw out there that th- this NES Classic is is maybe one of the you know. I, I would say lesser. Yeah, it's no, no. Actually, I am. I have really made peace with the idea of not getting one of these and not being interested in it. Not just the product itself, which you know the the software as far as the pricing. If you amortize it out, it's like two bucks a piece for you know thirty titles on a sixty dollars yeah. system. Like that's not bad. But the cord is like two feet long. <laughs> right. The, no, they the do have ten dollars options to fix that. But then yeah, you're but losing like, your sixty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, come on, why not make a good product? And uh, you know, the uh, I don't I, just, just the, the form factor of the controllers is kind of no good. And wait, I mean, it you know, doesn't replicate the old NES controller, right? Well, it's what? even smaller than that thing. Like, if you gone back to one of those, they're small and uncomfortable to begin with, and now they're even smaller. They're to scale with that console. So the thing is, aside from that, aside actually, from that, the, the the on the classic edition, they're actually pretty much spot on with the original. Really? Is that right? I was. Yeah, I was I've seen them. I thought. The Japanese Super Famicom version that's like super tiny to scale miniature. That's just prepping uh, us for those Switch controllers. Oh man, those things. Oh my god. So aside (laughs) from that, then there's the question of is Nintendo purposely selling short or underproducing or under distributing? Mm Uh, I just saw an article on uh, Twitter earlier this evening that uh, Japan got more of the of their version of the NES Classic Edition than the US did. Yeah, and and I mean I've seen stacks. You know, they, there's that picture you've probably seen over in the Philippines or something where they have a wall of those NES classics, uh, and, and people are people continue to give Nintendo like this way wide latitude and and just the benefit of this doubt that the, I've just I'm tired of it. I'm just not I'm not doing it anymore. Nintendo, uh, you know, Super Mario Run came out today, and just to look at it, uh, just you know, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I, I'm your download sold out. Yeah, exactly. They didn't distribute enough of the the iTunes store, uh, so I'm I'm kind of done giving Nintendo a lot of a lot of wide berth on on those decisions because I there's a there's a decent argument to be made that they're doing that sort of thing on purpose. Right. I, I, honestly, I don't blame you one bit because I was uh, back when uh, Fire Emblem uh, Awakening was it the uh, the last Fire Emblem game that came out. They had this uh, like an eighty dollar bundle with you know oh, the both Fates and Conquest. Fates and Conquest. That's it. Right. Um, yeah, I'm um, still know, pissed that, about that one that had both yeah, in one. Yeah, it's yeah. like that thing was gone the first day, and I I didn't even want to, you know, bother picking up you know one version or the other because it's like you know that was the version I wanted and I couldn't get it. Or, or it the wristwatch the thing too. for Pokemon Go. The you know, I mean, I'm not sure how much Nintendo themselves had to do with that, but I blame them. I'm uh, still I'm still eager for the Switch. I'm still excited. Yeah. I'll get that day one. I, I'm gonna wait and see. Like I am really That's gonna my hang VR. back. Yeah, really? I'm, yeah. Really? You're really? That's your VR? Yeah. So Honestly, it, well, not not literally my VR, but that's I'm excited. Yeah, the thing uh, that for you that as you are uh, PSVR, just because right. I you know been doing a lot of traveling and played on the train that I'm in love with because it is here, a traveler here, system yeah. to be able to play that on, on planes, you know, on trains that is going to be awesome. And on it's kind of like that. It's kind of like <laughs> yes, uh, with John Candy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, you know back when I was a kid. It's like I used to. You know, play the Super Nintendo, and then I'd go play the Game Boy, and the games on the Game Boy, you know, where they were black and white, and you know, not very detailed. And I used to dream, you know, I, what would console games be like as a portable? You know, I, I, I'd love to see that. And of course, you know, there was the Sega Nomad, which had like 
45 minutes battery life on six double A's. Um, and it's like, well, eh, maybe not. But looking I, at the Switch, it's just, this is, at least from the outside looking in, exactly what I've been waiting for. No, dude, no. Listen, I've got two <laughs> comments for that. One is, one is, Nintendo, when they announced the Switch, you know what they announced? They announced the PlayStation Vita, is what they announced. And I love uh, my Vita. I love my Vita, too. What do you I got love against my Vita? Vita Vita's life. But I, do you yeah, not like that's... life, Jeremy? No, da- I love life. <laughs> I have a joie de vivre that you that cannot uh, even so, so continue with your comparison between the Vita and the Switch. Well, just that, I, I mean, what's the, you know... What's the thing? I mean, Nintendo's. I mean, unless they show the software to back it up, the very fact that it's portable, like you can play big boy games on a portable, that's been done. Like, I am not. Because the second part of this, so that's the first thing, is they announced the Vita. The second thing is, per, speaking personally, Nintendo has spent that capital with me, that childhood capital and the pixels and the this and the that and the other. I loved it. It was good. It's great. Uh, they haven't done right by me personally in quite a while. So. You know, did I'm gonna you, wait. Did you pick up Maybe a Wii U? Switch will bring you back. I have a Wii U. Yeah, I have okay. a Wii U, and I've got no a, no enjoyment, no love from your Wii U. You from know, the first I, party I, stuff. No. Here, here's the, the ironic. Feels like what the Wii U should have been. Let me tell you about my Wii U. Uh, <laughs> oh. I use it more consistently than any of my other consoles, including the Vita, because I use the Fit Meter to track my steps, and I stand on that pad every day and and measure myself. That's the You're only thing my Wii U. Me. I kid you not. I am the one guy. No I'm Fitbit for guy. me. I'm using my Nintendo Fit Meter. Yes. See, so could you, wow. so you still what, have the original I, battery in that? No, <laughs> I no. I in fact I changed my battery just the other day and it kind of wigged the thing out. But that 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 Wii U is basically my my bathroom scale more or less. Oh, wow. um, oh, I I want That's gonna to be your more Christmas present, it. Jeremy. A digital scale for Target. Like an actual bathroom scale, like I can throw out the Wii U. Uh, No, but honestly, though, like I I love my fair share of Nintendo software, but when I look at the kinds of things that they're making, like, yeah, they have, like, the last really great thing that they made that I really, really loved was probably Super Mario World. Um, How long ago was that? That On the the SNES? On the the Wii U. Oh, the 3D one. Yeah, super, super, well, on on uh, there's also Super Mario 3D Land, which was one of the all-time greats. Um, but I, but as far as like Nintendo making things that I am like independent of the fact that oh my god, it's Nintendo, let me drool on that. Uh, the last thing that they made that like literally really appealed to me was probably that. I, I'm I'm sort Tokyo of looking Mirage sessions, Jeremy, at all? Come on, no Let's man, no, no, no. Man, I, oh, I'm done no. with you. Uh uh-uh, uh, no. I'm playing. Cut I got persona. Show. What do I? Well, what do I just... need that stuff for? <laughs> I, I got my persona. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I'm even looking kind of with just a little bit of a scance at the Breath of the Wild, the new Legend of Zelda game. Right. Um, the last thing they showed at the at the Keeley Awards, the you know the Game Awards. Uh, <laughs> the Keeley. Yeah, the Keeleys. The Keeleys. Uh, a little bit framey. It was. Yeah. When it gets into the open world, I was it like, ooh. And it didn't look, that wasn't a good showing for it. No, um, no, it wasn't. So I. Now, are, now, are we doubly certain it was on the Switch or was it the Wii U version? Because why supposedly they, from the Jimmy Fallon. version. Well, I mean, quite frankly, when they were on Jimmy Fallon, you know, they were showing the Switch version of. Uh, it didn't Breath look of good on Wild. Fallon either. It looked washed out. It, yeah. did, it didn't look well, good. Yeah, and, it, and all because I'm going to say. That's true. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that happens with every dis- digital display with the you know that you're trying to record. Yes, but when you're when you're doing that for an audience of millions of people that that aren't avid gamers because you know mm-hmm. these are people that watch Jimmy Fallon, and the takeaway is, hey, this I'm not going to buy a new system for this. It doesn't really look that interesting. Yeah. I think that's that's dangerous. So I am like keeping at least an arm's length from Nintendo for a little while. Oh, um, they, they've got to they've got to sell it to me. Really, I mean, I'm like what, a, what company doesn't or, or you know you, everybody should exactly sell you. exactly. What sold you on PSVR? Uh, the VR because the fact that well, I can... okay, so the just the tech the tech yeah, is nothing just... without software. I agree with you. I agree with you. But you got to start somewhere, right? And it has it is a proof of concept. There are games that you can play that are way fun. And in fact, we'll be talking about that here in short order about my experience <laughs> okay. of the year. So we'll we'll I'll, I'll get a chance to talk about that too. Miku, I'm calling it right Miku. now. You think? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sure it wasn't. No. Do they have that? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, Jeremy. Oh my God. This podcast is over. I'll be back. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Vocaloid fever. Jeremy's got it. Bad. It's worse than ASTG. Should I mention anything else about the Classic Edition, or should we? If you, if you want to refute any of Jeremy's <laughs> statements. I, I was just going to say, so actually you just reminded me of my, what my original point was going to be. So that thing is terrible. If you want <laughs> Whoa, a, no, if wrong. I think it's cool, but needless. Yeah. yeah. So you're terrible. Uh, it, I'm needless, and Blue loves it. It, it was kind of like a stopgap because you know the, Nintendo didn't have the Switch out in time for Christmas, which they were originally right. intending. It got pushed back uh, to March. Look at the shit they release, and people are like, "Oh my god!" So uh, you know, maybe maybe part of me is just like tearing my hair out that people are still doing this with Nintendo. But my original point was going to be that if you want a good example of a micro console, look at the Sega Genesis one that's available for thirty dollars. It's been out for a long time. It comes with Two controllers, they are wireless, and... Wait, I reviewed gonna, that I'm one, gonna, Jeremy, I'm, it's I'm gonna, shit. It's that, <laughs> exactly what the, I was going to say. Wireless, one the wireless controllers, have a, you have to have line of sight, and they constantly disconnect if you move the controller up or down. That is shit, Jeremy, that's the worst advice and, I've heard all year. And the emulation is terrible. <laughs> yeah, you the, the gameplay of Sonic 1, it's like the music just sounds like some like horrible bastardization of the right. original. <laughs> Well, in that case, just get a Retron 5 and then just throw all this other stuff in the garbage anyway. So. <laughs> I'll support, yeah, and you can destroy your Sega world. Genesis cartridges in those, that really stiff-ass slot that it has. <laughs> My advice, and, let, it, let it die. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, you know, the NES Classic Edition, it, you know, the emulation is actually pretty decent. There isn't yeah. a lot of latency. I mean, you may have a, you know, a millisecond or two of uh, latency between button press and action. Now, now you're using uh, the corded controller? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. uh, using the one that came with it. And if you use a um, a Wii U classic or a Wii or Wii U classic controller, you can actually hit the uh, the home button instead of getting up and hitting the reset button like back in the old days. Uh, so that's a neat little little uh, touch that they put in. It's cute it's too. It's cute. Cute. Yeah, the, it's uh, the Wii U Pro controller by chance. Uh, that, would, that would change my entire viewpoint. It, <laughs> Jeremy went from it's trash to treasure. <laughs> I buy one <laughs> now. Fuck the doesn't. VR. I'm of one. course it doesn't. Of course it uses it the uh, the corded Wii uh, Wii Classic Controller and Classic Controller Pro, but it does not have any sort of Wi-Fi built in. I mean, it's basically a com- an entirely offline console. Um, 
But that said, you know, I mean, the controller feels, I mean, practically spot on with the original. I mean, it is amazing. It it feels like you just took a controller out of a box or out of an NES box from like 1985, and it is just absolutely spot on with it. So hand that cramps was after was... 20 or 30 minutes. What was that? Hand cramps after 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. Because uh, the, the one thing is is comfort has kind of come a long way in controllers. Yeah. Yeah, that it definitely has. It, it's okay. it, it's a nice it's a nice trip down memory lane. It's like when you open the box, you actually have a um a poster that features some old uh like old promo art for the NES back when it was first coming out, but you know That's with cool. Rob the Robot and yeah. Gyromite and Duck Hunt and whatnot. Yep. And it's like they they I think they put like some sort of like a modern classic edition border around it or something like that. And it's like you look carefully at the artwork and you can actually see where the original source material was kind of like a little bit damaged or a little bit moldy or something like that. Oh. And it's kind of like a neat, I don't know, kind of like a neat throwback or something like that or just kind of yeah. like a, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's not perfect artwork, but, you know, in some way I think that being imperfect actually does make it perfect. It just kind of fits the vibe that they're going for. It's like the entire the entire presentation of it just feels delightfully retro. Um, of course, the roster of uh, games is like you got not just Nintendo games. You have uh, Mega Man 2, uh, Ghosts and Goblins, I think it is, or one of the Ghouls and Ghosts games or something like that. Uh, Castlevania 1 and 2, Ninja Gaiden, Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl. Holy crap, that thing holds up. I mean, you only have four offensive plays and four defensive plays. Just throw it to shit, Bo Jackson. That fucker is fun. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, the emulation is, you know, very good with it. The, the games look absolutely fantastic. Probably the best that they look outside of, you know, a PC emulator or something like that. And, um, I mean, there, there is a little bit of issue with, uh, the sound. Like, apparently, and I'm not as experienced with, you know, Mega Man 2 and the earlier mm-hmm. NES games. But I, I think this is more with Mega Man 2. It's like the sound is a little bit behind on the music, like from where it should be. But, you know, I, I like I said, I don't really know as much about Mega Man 2. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the, the first game I really finished on it. And good lord, am I glad that that thing has uh, suspend points. That, that's one uh, other neat thing about the NES Classic Edition is if you hit the the reset button while you're playing a game, you'll see like a little screenshot with wings floating down in the bottom corner of the screen. And if you hit down, you can bring up a uh, like a tray with four different suspend points that you can save to, hmm. and you can actually lock your save so you don't accidentally copy over it. Um, and every game has four slots. So, I mean, you you can basically go on multi, you know, multiple playthroughs of a game at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, quite frankly, you know, as an NES gamer, kind of wannabe, sort of played the Super Nintendo more kind of gamer, it, I get it. It, it. it, I can see why it's as popular as it is. And, you know, quite frankly, if you're looking for a a good cheap NES solution because NES stuff is not cheap at all. I think somebody calculated the uh, the total value of the games included to be somewhere around four or five hundred dollars. 
Um, well, I think it would be cheaper. Is that on Virtual Console or actually buying the cartridges? Buying the original cartridges, yeah. Mm. I mean, phys- physically, you know, this is definitely a cheaper option, and it it displays wonderfully. It is a cute little console. Right. But, um, you know, if, if you see it and you're interested in it, odds are you're probably going to get a decent amount of mileage out of it. It's it's worth, from my opinion, it's worth it. So that's the NES trash classic. Boo. I mean, it's okay if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a decent console. I would it buy is. it if I had a open HDMI port, but I'm at max. I, I can't. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. For me, for me, it's also the power have, cable. I have two splitters, <laughs> two oh, HDMI splitters. Yeah, so it's it's a hot mess. So yeah, one of the yeah. things I asked everyone to do is to think about their favorite gaming experiences uh, over the year. So yeah. let's transition to that, shall we? I think you just yeah. did. Yeah, okay. So um, thinking back over the past year, the last uh, 12 months or so probably brought back a record number of reboots, remasters, reissues, making 2016 feel for me really like 2006 to 2015. And as such, I've divided my gaming discussion into two parts. Previous experiences, and those were the releases such as Bioshock, Skyrim, Borderlands, that that represent games from previous years, and perhaps ported to a new machine. So, at the top of my list is a STG shooter from Digica, a company that's localized a selection of, uh, of shining Japanese sh- uh, software from um, RPG Maker, uh, Muv Love, a great visual novel, and of course, one of my PC favorites this year, and a favorite of mine when it was released for the Xbox 360 back in 2010, Blue Help Me Out. I'm talking about my favorite shmup, which is called... Um, Death Smiles. Yes, yes, Death Smiles. So... <clears throat> Now, you, you might assume that the game is one of my favorites for the Lollygoth leads, and that's part of the equation, not going to lie. Um, it's not the whole thing, or even a major factor. Instead, it's the developer. Um, Cave, a.k.a. Computer, computer Art Visual Entertainment. Um, their expertise and their mechanics really make the game stand out uh, above its peers. For one thing, uh, it's a... It's not a typical horizontal shooter where you just face forward. In Death Smiles, demons and all these other Halloween-inspired beings, they come at you both sides of the screen, forcing you mm-hmm. to really pay attention. And then there's your super weapon, which is uh, which is fueled by the items uh, defeated enemies drop. And when you collect enough, you can unleash Lolly Hell, which in turn you know makes <laughs> enemies drop more luxurious items, which can keep your weapon going. Meaning, if you practice and play your cards right, you can effectively super your way through the majority of a level, which is feels nothing short of being euphoric. Um, so I love Death Smiles, and seeing it come to PC uh, really made me happy. Uh, next up is another 2D title. Uh, I think we were talking about 2D a little bit earlier. Originally released back in 2007 for the PS2 and given a stellar treatment for the PS4 and the beloved PS Vita. Yes. Does anyone Woo! care to... Legacy platform. Yes. <laughs> anyone care to venture what that might be? Oh. That came out this year? Yes, came out this year. I believe March. Um, I'm struggling here. I, th- How about if I, probably I said had a PS4 for like three weeks. Give, cut me some slack. <laughs> Vanillaware. Oh, uh, sh- uh, lift, lift, uh, oh, God, what's it yes. called? Uh, oh, um, Odin Sphere. Oh. Yes, Odin Sphere Lift Riser. 
browser. Leafthrasier. Leafthrasier. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> you should try a little bit more dramatic. Um, so that, that's the rare game that hits that trifecta of just flawless beauty and look, play, and story. Apparently, the, the visual upgrade was one of the easier things. Um, and maybe the change from full screen to widescreen, that might have been a little bit difficult. But the art now is rendered in you know high definition. Uh, was down, downgraded originally for the PS2, so some elements of uh, Kamatani's art had to be redrawn. But the end result is just amazing. I, I love 2D games. I think they age just wonderfully. And, you know, Odin's Fear has this combination of kind of this Norse mythology and this fairy tale-esque uh, qualities, a little bit of Beowulf in there, and it really brings that that amalgam of different, you know, different uh, qualities to life there. Um, I know 3D technology has advanced, but 2D just really gives it a run for its money with subtleties like rest animation that show breathing, you know, after all the all the physical uh, activity that a character has been going through, and Given the the amount of new stages, there's new bosses, there's revisions to combat. And, you know, if you like the old system, that's still in place. You know, you, you can dig in to the settings and choose that. Um, so, so given all those, there's probably a good reason for heavy breathing. Combat was fluid before, but now VanillaWare really made it more combo-driven. Uh, so Mercedes, she's one of the five leads, uh, delivers just this flir- flurry of juggling assaults, and Gwendolyn it's this ass-kicking Valkyrie that, you know, the way a Valkyrie should be, with aerials that bring the pain against opponents. Uh, story-wise, there's been just a few minor changes. Some elements ca- have been added, uh, there's been some reworkings, but the best part is that they didn't over-tamper. Uh, they resisted kind of the urge to, you know, change too much. They kept the narrative the same. And they didn't th- special edition it? No, like, no. And this Star is Wars. one, this, dare I say, is one of the better plots to be found in any brawler, uh, since you actually care about the characters. Apology to Mayor Mike Hagar and Poison. <laughs> so, um, that, that was a couple of my favorites from yesteryear brought back to 2016, and I'm gr- glad they uh, were brought back in such fine form. I gotta tell you, Odin Sphere, I, yeah. I never played too much of it on the PS2, mm-hmm. but I there there was a very, very early on, like a death sequence, yeah. and I think, I think the line was like, one sister talking to the other, it's been a long time since I've seen it, mm-hmm. and the line always stuck with me, it's like, I can't see you, and then she passes away or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I, that that stuck with me. It's like right. I, I never really played much of the game, but that part has stuck with me for for nearly a decade. Yeah. So so nine years later, and that's it's kind of a testament to the quality of the writing. And you know, most brawlers are fun; they're, they're visceral. But this one, you actually care about uh, what's going on. And so this one, you know, the story is just as important as the gameplay. So. I loved it then, and this this port is even better. Um, what else did I did I like that is new? Jeremy mentioned Titanfall. The original Titanfall was definitely a solid effort. It probably couldn't couldn't deliver that enormous hype uh, machine was promising. You know, it was a fun multiplayer game that you know, as we know, lacked a campaign. But with Titanfall two, that's really been remedied. It's incredible looking. It's just smooth. It, it you know has that powerful multiplayer experience that, that's now bolstered by the uh, campaign. And if you're a fan of Mecha, which I am, then this game is just pure 
porn, especially, and I had <laughs> talked about it before, you know, I moved into the Pascal GPU, so I have a laptop with a uh, 10, 1060, and it just looks amazing on that. And being able to play that, like, on the go is just my, uh, my new thing. Uh, likewise, that, that share play sh- shit is absolutely amazing. That, that one of the first things I did with the PS4 was try out share play. And, uh, honestly, it's just breathed new life into my Vita and my, uh, now out of the box, uh, PlayStation TV. Uh, remote play, you mean? Is it remote play? Remote yeah, play. Remote, play. For remote yeah. play, excuse me. I was like, what am I not doing? What am I missing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You know, um, you know, I will say, though, Titanfall, I tried this just last night, actually. Yeah. Uh, there there has been an unfortunate spate of games that have come out uh, right. that do not have proper Vita remote play mappings, and Titanfall uh, 2, shame on UEA, is one of them. Can't you like, it's almost the, unusable. Uh, get, a, get a laptop, Jeremy. Never. Okay. I mean, maybe. Actually, what I got is I've got <laughs> a, I've got a Steam okay. I've got a Steam Link coming to me for uh, Christmas, so then I can that that's my remote play on PC. Okay. Just just you know, lap, laptop and Steam is kind of the way to go. A lot of the yeah. JRPGs my- are coming that way. I, I'm a happy camper. Um, so Titanfall two like like that. Watch Dogs two. It, it fixed a number of problems with the first game. Probably the biggest problem I had with the original Watch Dogs is that it didn't run on my pc very well it was kind of shit uh at launch uh largely that's fixed with the sequel um this time out there's a likable protagonist which is kind of important for a game it it feels it's got this weird hackerish fantastical hackerish feel it's kind of twitchy um you know it's just it's pure fantasy, but it's fun anyway. Uh, the soundtrack, you know, combined, it kind of sounds like a mix of weekend B-sides. So I'm really liking it. The stealth elements, you know, keep me keep me engaged, um, keep me tense. The action uh, is, and it looks it looks fantastic too. Also, it, were you impressed with the uh, 3D rendered genitalia? Well, I didn't see. I've seen some male genitalia, but not much on the female. Um, did they patch that out? What? I think. Uh, supposedly. Okay. This shall not stand. So I only saw penis, if that's worth anything. <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed. Perhaps they can patch something in so I can get equal opportunity uh, gawking going on. Gross. <laughs> and t- honestly, I feel like in 2016, nudity in video games after all of the Grand Theft Auto shit and whatnot yeah. really shouldn't be that big of a deal. True. I, I definitely agree. So it's no secret that I'm a fan of the Kiseki series, um, its characterization, its world building, and undoubtedly I expect Tales of Cold Steel 2 um, to show on very few end-of-the-year lists. It's not flashy, it's not for everyone, but if you do appreciate narrative and you and you like to get lost in a JRPG, this and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, apologies to Jeremy, are this year's top titles. Um, you know, all I can think of is, especially with the cold winter months approaching, um, there are few things better than curling up in front of the TV, cranking the heater, and just playing either of these into the AM hours. And so that, that's kind of my, my go-to. That's my comfort food is uh, these two JRPGs. Read up on, if you can, the work that went into the localization of Trails of Cold Steel. It is just amazing that the effort uh, XSEED went and pushed into this. A number of people just, just really sacrificed a good months of their lives, devoted themselves to all the characters. Uh, as we noted, I think, way back when... Um, is that the characters, they speak, 
and unlike a lot of JRPGs, it's not just the same thing every time. They really give them emotion. You feel a, a true personality in each one. And so it's really an evolution of, of role-playing. So definitely um, check it out. Um, and with that, it, it's probably time for me to talk about my top pick, which I asked everyone... I said, be subjective. And it's not something that has the flash or allure of AAA titles featured on the Keeley Awards, but it definitely kept my attention for a very long time. And I'm talking about Grand Kingdom for the Vita and PS4. When Just uh, when I thought I've exhausted my appreciation for turn-based combat, this game has renewed it. The secret of the game is... It, it offers mer- mercenaries who can use melee and ranged attacks, but it's placed on a horizontally oriented battlefield. Uh, each mercenary can operate along three lanes with restrictions placed via a movement gauge. Uh, when it's time to attack, you use the, you precisely have to time your, your button presses. Otherwise, if you don't, and, and well, a couple of things happen. One, enemies can be knocked back, and then also friendly fire is a constant concern. Uh, I know it's been on sale a few times, and if you're a fan of games like Val- Valkyria Chronicles, and really I was going to say the, the movement and the, and the hitting and, the, and that sort of thing yeah, is very yeah. sort of Valkyria Chronicles-y. Yes, and so if you're a fan of that game, um, by all means, pick it up. Acceptable. <laughs> acceptable. 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 That's it. Yes, that's all your, I get? your pick of the year is acceptable. Middling. No, that's good. I don't think you'll. You know what? That is one thing. Your wife who is shit. <laughs> that's one thing about the tech gaming podcast. You will not hear Grand Kingdom mentioned <laughs> anyway, anywhere. I don't think Keely knows it exists. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, they were. They were. They still had like uh, Xenoblade Chronicles as their. You know, in in their cat. I don't know. Even know how that's even eligible this year. It was one of the <laughs> one of the options for their. RPG of the year. But, yeah, but maybe it's one of those things like the Academy, it came out during certain dates and it just missed. I think it came out in December, know. so it may have missed last year's award show. I don't know. No Bionic excuses. technicality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good All game. Right. I'm not going to fault them for that. So my uh, my favorite game experience of 2016, you got to think back all throughout the year, and what is the, the banner head of all of 2016? This is the year that virtual reality came out. It's here, you guys. We talked about it for so long. Virtual reality is here. And it basically delivers, right? I mean... Holodeck? It's, it, it, it's not a holodeck. It, 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 like, I, I, I want a holodeck. I want to be able to, like, actually we'll hug we'll get Troy there. from Star Trek. It's, so, it's so not that, real yet. There are definitely, like, niggling little concerns, like cables are definitely an issue, the the headsets, the ergonomics of it, yeah. uh, you know, the software is still first-gen stuff, but basically, by all accounts, the VR headsets that are available, meaning the HTC Vive, the Oculus Rift, the PlayStation VR, have basically pretty well done what they said in the years leading up that we would actually get, and they pretty well do a good job uh the experience that i had this year was with the htc vive as i mentioned i haven't gotten my hands on a playstation vr set i'm looking forward to uh to that software but had the opportunity to try the space tracking you know the spatial awareness Mm -hmm. the of the htc you uh, must have a big mansion Jeremy. Uh, actually, I so I played this in a room where someone has a dedicated computer room yeah. uh, with basically nothing to trip over, and it's not you know it's like a den. <laughs> right. Uh, it was basically well, like it's a not den, like so. a den because most dens have shit to trip over. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So, so it's I mean, an empty I'm, den. 
so the experience though stands on its own i think i mean re- regardless regardless of that um the, the the technology is solid and uh so i had the opportunity to play things like valve's the lab uh which is sort of an introductory little uh you know kind of kind of a a, a 3d modeled area that you can go through and observe little things and and kind of like in the portal uh labs you know there are things robots everywhere and stuff's traveling along rails on the ceiling and you can go and look at little models of the little valve people uh you know they're they're kind of like the little 2d like darwinians i guess uh, those those kinds of people um lots of little cursory like you know wii sports ish uh individual little events i mean nothing too special there but i mean that's what they said about you know wii bowling uh at the time too uh had an opportunity to to uh try things like um uh, budget cuts, which is a um, sort of like a, a spy infiltration kind of game. Um, which uh, the the thing about it is, a lot of these games when you're in, when you're in VR, um, the the movement paradigm has has to be changed a little bit. Uh, the the motion sickness, I think, is something that happens. So a lot of these things work yeah. on a teleportation kind of idea, but uh, those uh, Vive controllers are absolutely uh, you know, spatially perfect, more or less. Uh, I remember hearing before I had the chance to try it that you could literally toss the thing in the air while you're in the headset and catch it and, and not have a problem. I tried it, and you can do it. It is it is there. It is like it is How like. How did a real you catch something with the headset on? Uh, because the the headset and the the controllers are aware of where they are, and and so you can actually see. So when you've got those controllers out in front of you, they have a representation in space of of basically what they are. The sensor knows the orientation of the thing, it knows the direction that it's facing, and it knows where it is in space. So you can literally take the strap off, you know, the safety strap off the hand, toss the thing in the air, and catch it. And it's not like even a you know you don't have to have special reflexes. It's literally like just tossing a ball in the air and catching it. And it, it's one-to-one. I mean, it really works. And that, for me, that was the moment at which I decided, like, wow, this really is this really is what they said it was. Now, that is something that is unique to the HTC Vive. So, uh, the you know, the PlayStation VR doesn't have that same kind of spatial awareness. It does have a kind of a, an element of that. But, uh, but, but that tech is available, and, of course, they're going to be iterating on that. I had the opportunity to try things like Tilt Brush, which is... Basically like a paint program, except it's more like a sculpting program because you yeah. can use those controllers to draw and use different uh, um, you know, colors and widths and textures, and you basically paint things in 3D. And that's the kind of thing that if you want your non-video gaming muggle friend to see what VR is all about, you let them play with Tilt Brush. Um, and you know, you can, I mean, even if you're not good at it, I mean, the cool thing is anybody can draw a picture, right? Anybody can model something in 3d space. If you've got it right in front of you, uh, the, in, the controls are fairly intuitive. Uh, you can erase mistakes pretty well. You can, uh, you know, everything looks like this cool neon thing and it does it in this sort of augmented, I, I don't want to call it augmented reality, but because on the Vive, you have that spatial awareness, you can not only paint the thing in place, but you can walk around it and look at it from a different angle and fill in the corners and you know draw something in 3D space and it works really really well. Uh, I had the opportunity to play Audio Shield, which is kind of like it's from the people who did Audio Surf or from the guy who did Audio Surf, and I think everybody's oh, yeah. played Audio Surf. Uh, Audio Shield, if you can imagine being a gladiator with two shields, like two Tron light shields on your hand, 
mountains, and uh, orbs come flying out at you from the, the Tron darkness, like out of nowhere. And you have music in time, and the orbs will just like hit you um, to the beat of the music. And sometimes oh, yeah. they'll turn into like, uh, you know, like a single, like a, a, a whole bunch of them. With the other one, and basically, you're, the idea is you're listening you're, to New Order. Uh, actually, I listened Blue to Monday. the uh, yeah, I, I, I listened to the Glitch Mob, that Glitch Mob remix of the Tron Legacy. Uh, gotcha. I mean, that was the first one I did, and that experience stuck with me. And so, you basically stand on this pedestal, and you're like, bam, 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 with your hands. Uh, uh, it's like Jazzercise or something. Uh, and you you work up or Tybo. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always like the low effort guy with the mustache and like the headband. I'm just like, nah, nah, nah. Um, no, but, but that was really cool too. And, um, j- just in general, uh, you know, the, the software that, uh, has been released and, and is releasing, um, on Oculus and on, uh, PlayStation VR, uh, the Eve Valkyrie, uh, flight simulator, space flight simulator. Uh, in fact, they just released for, uh, Star Wars Battlefront. They did the X-Wing yeah. VR mission. That uh, looks so insane. I, I'm really looking forward to trying. Now, I'll be honest, so I'm going to say it here on this podcast that I'm okay with that, but what I really want is VR remake of X-Wing, like the actual flight simulator X-Wing. Uh, that that's would probably get me to seriously consider a VR headset. Yes, that, that's the thing that I want out of all of this. But guess what else is coming out? Uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew from Ubisoft is, yeah. uh, is coming out. Like That, to me, is kind of a killer app. Um, I, 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 uh, what's the one? Rigs from uh, Guerrilla Games, which is basically just like a robot mech. Uh, you know, you're you're both the mech and the basketball. You just make a hoop. Uh, you know, make a basket with your with your mech. Uh, those summer lesson. Uh, yeah, summer oh, yeah. lesson. Got an anime <laughs> girl. You know what? Be be an anime girl for for a day. Uh, you know, be a senpai. You senpai. Think senpai. I would be into that, but that's a, just, no, not really. Uh, it's a little too much. Yeah, really. I, that? Honestly, I'd give that a shot. That looks like something that would be right up my alley. Hey, did you guys see? By the way, did you happen to see that? Uh, this is a little bit of a side tension here, but did you guys see that thing? Uh, it's circulating now. It's sort of like the Amazon Echo, but it's with a an anime girl. Uh, she's like a holographic anime girl inside a. Uh, let me let me uh, see if I can find the name to her of this right thing. now. Um, for me, I think the most noteworthy uh, gaming experiences I've had is first. Uh, I'll mention the NES Classic Edition because it, that was just such a neat thing for Nintendo to do. Even if it's you know, it would have been nice if it had you know a bigger roster of games or something like that. Just them making a miniature. NES with a perfect controller and a decent selection of games connected with me. And, you know, I I mean, quite frankly, you know, my mom is a classic puzzle gamer. You know, she started off with Tetris and and, uh, we spent most of the 90s yelling at each other, playing Tetris Attack and Dr. Mario and stuff like that. And we both sat down and played Dr. Mario against each other. And there was a lot of cursing (laughs) in the best way possible. And, you know... That's the kind of yeah. old school experience you Social just experience. don't always get. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's one of my one of my favorites uh, mm-hmm. favorite experiences. But um, I mentioned that I would be talking about Uncharted Four, and now is the time. Um, you know, looking at the the roster of next gen games, the screenshots, the gameplay trailers, and whatnot, I felt like yeah, it looks pretty much like a prettier PS. Three Xbox 360 game, or you know, you know that that was just a common complaint I had about uh, pretty much you know every game I saw. I was like, yeah, it looks okay, but I don't know if it looks like 
three ninety nine for the system alone, good. Um, and I, I guess you could say I never had that that uh, aha moment or that eureka moment for the graphical advancement of next gen consoles, and that was until I played Uncharted Four. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, when you are looking at the cutscenes uh, in Uncharted Four, uh, the animation, the detail in the animation, you know, the little subtle eye movements, the cheek movements, uh, it is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. It's like I finally had that that moment where the next gen clicked with me. It's like it. it I mean, and quite frankly, Uncharted Four itself. Uh, is actually my favorite Uncharted story uh, in the series because you know it had a very a very interesting uh, plot involving uh, Sam uh, uh, Drake's uh, Nathan Drake's uh, long lost, believed to be dead brother Sam coming back from. Well, I, I won't spoil too much. And, you know, he's in trouble with a Mexican gangster, and they he basically promised to find this, you know, mythical uh, lost pirate city of uh, Libertalia. And, of course, that sets, you know, Nathan and company off on another classic adventure, which takes so many great twists and turns with it, and also fleshes out why he has the last name Drake as opposed to his real name. It actually shows what brought that about in a playable sequence. It's not just, you know, some sort of a flashback cutscene or anything. You actually play through a stage or actually I think it's two stages when you're um as a uh, young Nathan Drake. And it, you know it's Where his parents go a, to court over a custody battle. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite that's my favorite mini game <laughs> uh actually it's a little bit a parents little bit... tried to buy your love with a doggy <laughs> uh, basically uh, you know without going too spoilery with it you know basically you know uh nathan is in an orphanage and his older brother sam basically just kind of you know they sneak out of the orphanage, he, you know, he helps them sneak out, and they go to find um, their mother's lost notes and notebooks, and basically they were trying to go get their stuff back. And the the swerve that plays out is quite quite an interesting uh, quite an interesting turn. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough because I don't really want to spoil anything because I, I feel like this is just one of those stories that it, it's a page turner. It's a video game page turner. I started, you know, I played several hours uh, in several different sessions, but uh, one night I decided, you know what, WWE Monday Night Raw is probably going to be crap, so I'm just going to play Uncharted. And I think that started around, I started playing around 730 and, you know, I uh, kind of sort of stayed up until quarter of four in the morning, and the credits were rolling. I stuck with it the entire night, and I have no regrets about it. It was a phenomenal experience. And, you know, the the subtitle of the game is A Thief's End. 
and it's it's like you're playing the game and you have this you have the sensation that is this it for Nathan Drake or is this it for somebody else and it's like you have the sensation of who's going to die is just a very very captivating experience because I heard this was the last Nathan Drake Uncharted game and um and playing through it it's just it just kept me compelled to play onward um in a way that you know few things this year really did and you know I, I don't have that many complaints about the gameplay itself I, I felt like some of the uh the shooter sequences were a little bit like the level design was a little bit too vertical or just kind of random it, it just didn't feel like a like an actual environment it's like the appeal of you know the the combat in uncharted is kind of like well you're getting into a gun battle in a semi-realistic world setting and some of the uh sequences that you played in uncharted 4 kind of took me out of that experience a little bit they felt a little bit too video game arena shootery for my liking but aside from that that's that was the only real major complaint i had about it and the rest of the experience just it was just a beautiful beautiful game are you ready for the return of trivia yes retro edition bring it on quiz master all right question number one Yoshio Sakamoto is one of Nintendo's legends, designing many of the company's most beloved titles, some of which are on the NES Classic. I want you to identify the game Sakamoto-san did not work on. Is it A? It's not Balloon Fight. Donkey Kong Jr., B, (laughs) Super Metroid, C, The Legend of Zelda, or D, Metroid Other M? Damn it, none of those is Balloon Fight. Uh, I don't think, I mean... I'm kind of inclined to say The Legend of Zelda because I don't... I, I The way I think of Nintendo is there's one, like, hero character. There's one dude who's, like, the guy for it. And I think I think of Yoshio uh, Sakamoto... Sak- was it Sakamoto? Is that his name? Sakamoto. Uh, I, I think of him for, like, Balloon Fight and for, like, the little kind of, you know, kind of dinky sorts of games or whatever, like, back on the Nintendo. Okay. Uh, and I, but I'm just going to say Metroid Zelda. Other M would not be one of those. Uh, on the, this was on the original Nintendo. Did you say Metroid Other M? Yeah, that was D. Oh, I thought you said. Oh, sorry, I thought you were saying the retro. I, I was thinking Metroid, the original uh, no. Metroid. Uh, Other I, M was developed by Team Ninja. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, which might explain a thing or ten. Uh, <laughs> I still like that game. It's terrible, but I still like it. I, I just think of one guy for Zelda, and I think of Ionuma. So if it's not him, then nobody else worked on it. He single-handedly did it, basically. So I'm, I'm still okay. going to go with that. Locked in. Blue. Um, Jeremy's probably right, but I'm going to stick with Other M. Correct I'm answer. I'm going to blame the baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. Blame the baby. Correct answer. Legend of Zelda. Son of a bitch! Mm-hmm. Stupid baby! Question number two. All this. You predicted balloon, balloon fight. During the development of Balloon Fight, Gunpei Yokoi had a mantra that he would frequently use to motivate his staff. Name it. Uh, a, if you can draw it, you can make games. B, 
A designer must follow his dreams and desires and not be dissuaded by self-doubt. C. Build the game you want to play. If you do, success will follow. Or D. The best games are built upon simple ideas. Ooh. I... Do it for good. I'm torn between C and A. I want to say C. C sounds... B is loquacious enough that I feel like a Japanese person would have said it. Uh... But I want, I'm going to say C again. Make the game that you want to play. Sounds like something that the uh, the very erudite Gunpei Yokoi might have said. R.I.P. I'm going to say... Uh, I'll go with A. Correct answer. A. If you go wrong, uh-huh. you can make games. You know what? When you first said that, that was the answer that I wanted to pick, and then you said B, and then you said C. So. <laughs> That's the way multiple choice works. Yeah, I know. I just I always go on the latest one. Damn you, alphabet soup. For number three for Balloon Fight, Sakamoto served as director, Yokoi served as producer, but who handled programming? Was it Iwata-san, A, Miyamoto-san, B, Genyo Takeda, creator of the Wii and Wii U, or Nogami-san, who would later develop Animal Crossing and Splatoon. I am going to go with the late, great Iwata-san. I'm going to go with uh, Satoru Iwata also. Correct answer, Iwata-san. Yay! Good job. job. Number four, while we know it as the Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES here, it was known as the Family Computer in Japan, or Famicom. But how was it known in Korea? A, the Nintendo Hobby System. B, the Samsung Family Machine. C, the Hyundai Comboy. Or D, it was never released in Korea. Oh, Robert Allen, you go to hell. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this one. Um, Seems like whenever there, there was some sort of a law in place in Korea where uh, Japanese culture was not allowed. I, I, I could be, be mistaken with if, uh, about that. And I think because of that, Samsung actually handled the um, the release of Nintendo products in Korea. So I think that was uh, the uh, B, was it? The Samsung, Samsung Family, family machine. machine. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I was going to pick gonna that go also. That. I was going to pick that also just for less, you know, I mean, it's just if Korea, then Samsung was as far as I reasoned it. So I am actually picking the same thing. The reasoning was sound. The answer was wrong. The Hyundai <laughs> Comboy. Hyundai? Oh, crap. Yeah. The Daewoo. It's probably the Daewoo. <laughs> you should have thrown that one in there. I should have. You should have done a Daewoo. I'd have picked that. <laughs> Number five. In Japan, the Famicom was flanked by a rather small launch lineup consisting of three games. Name them. A. Kuku Land, Devil World, and Balloon Fight. B, no. Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye. C, Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, and Excite Bike. D, The Legend of Zelda, Mock Rider, and Mario Brothers. Ah, uh, let's see. My knee-trick reaction is to pick D, but I think I'm going to go with C. See, I was going to see Blue. Don't pick the things I'm going to pick. Because I want to <laughs> I was thinking, like, simple stuff, because they wouldn't have had The Legend of Zelda at launch. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they come out with later. Um, and it was Excitebike. What was C again? It was Excitebike. Uh, C was Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, and Excitebike. Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, and See, those to me seem like fairly... Because Kid Icarus, Ice Climbers is a vertical scroller. 
Kid Icarus is just like a screen-to-screen sort of thing, I think. In fact, it, it, yeah. I, it scrolled a little bit, didn't it? I think it had some vertical scrolling in it also. Yeah. And, and then Excite Bike. I, I'm kind of inclined to pick C as well, but Clue uh, Clue Land, though, is like a pretty Popeye. I know Popeye was kind of a thing in Japan. Um, I, I'm going like, to I'm not sure if the... Uh, if the Famicom probably would have had much in the way of licensed games early on, would it? Uh, At that point I, in the industry, I don't know. Maybe I'm I don't know. I, I'm gonna. I'll, we'll, we'll go with C. We'll go with C. Blue, what did you say? He said also uh, C. C. Which one was the licensed game, Blue? Before I give the answer, Popeye. 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 Remember, Nintendo produced a Popeye cabinet. So the correct answer, of course, was. B, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye. Oh, that's a gross lineup. Donkey Kong games? Why? I don't know. You can't have Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. They're so different. Give them them some breathing room. No, they're completely different. And one, Donkey Kong is bad guy, then he he turns good guy. No, no, that's fine. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. all kind of those those arcadey platformers. Shoot that fumigation spray up his ass. That was Donkey Kong Three. <laughs> oh, was it? Yes. Come on, oh, Jeremy. That was my favorite. That was my favorite one. <laughs> you lost it on that one. Yeah. And then the beehives. Yes, right. Yeah, those can go beehives. up the ass too. Yikes. Buzz. That's a buzz kill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that, doing very good on this one. That wasn't the last one, was it? That was the last one. That was all five. Oh man. I, I what I were got, you? One for five? I think I got one. Yeah. Oh, I think man. I got one as well. Yeah, epic failure. Hopefully our listeners did better. I blamed Eagle. All right. Well, on that (laughs) note, Jeremy, since you lost, you want to take us home? I think I will. Listeners, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might enjoy looking at what we write. This all happens over at the website on the internet, www.tech-gaming.com. Lots of reviews, uh, interviews, lots of interviews. Robert, I will say, uh, is one of the hardest-working interviewers, doing some really great interviews, uh, especially for the uh, little-covered, you know, some of the Japanese uh, translations and some of those kinds of things. He does some really good work. He does a some really good work. So, yeah, I mean, it's just stuff that doesn't get you know a lot of circulation. I would say I see right. more stuff you probably like, wouldn't unique, see on IGN. Absolutely, I see more like uniquely little covered things on tech-gaming.com. I think than I see on a lot of those other websites. So kudos uh, to you, Robert Allen. Uh, so go check those out on uh, tech-gaming.com. Uh, we are also on social media as well. Um, Last I checked, I think we maintained a Facebook page. Uh, yes. We do, yes. So you can find it at uh, tech underscore gaming, I think it is. I'm not much of a Facebook user. I'm doing this from memory, by the way, everybody. So this is uh, not something. In fact, is it in the agenda? It's not on the agenda, is it? No. No. Okay. So outro. doing it from memory. We're, we're doing it live. Uh, and uh, you can also find us out on the internet uh, at, uh, or I'm sorry, on on Twitter. Twitter. We're on Twitter. Uh, tech. Un, uh, tech underscore gaming i think on twitter it is also uh it's like the speed dial like i never type it in it just auto completes when i start talking to robert uh so that is uh, robert desert eagle allen uh you can find blue over at blue swim uh you can find me at jeremy underscore lamont uh are there other people on the crew you can find those uh you know look at uh look at look at look at our mentions you'll you'll find those uh, those other people uh, out there as well <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shout out to at Sean Nola and at Samarage and at S A Y O M G W T F Cypherand. Absolutely. 
And uh, other than that, uh, I don't know. Look forward to another one of these podcasts sometime in the future. 2017. But also pretty decent. Yeah, 2017. We'll see you again in a year. But uh, take a look at the Q4, uh, back episode. Q3. As well, yeah, we'll 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 plan for something around then. Um, it'll get delayed in production. There'll be a you know a terrible uh, translation issue. Budget budget issues will get out of out of control, and we'll push it back to Q4 2017. Uh, but we appreciate you listening to us. Thank you for finding us uh, wherever you may. Make sure to share this with your friends and uh, get it out there so that people know that uh, we've got a real real good uh, website, real good podcast, lots of good video game information out there for those who can hear it. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, everybody, we will see you next time. Bye-bye.